You're listening to Parenting Our Future. I'm parenting expert Robin McMahon, author of The Yelling Cure and founder of Parenting for Connection. My podcast is all about providing you with the tools and solutions you need in all different areas of your parenting so you can create strong connections with your kids, get all the cooperation you want, and live a life that is full of joy and connection. And by the way, the tools and solutions that you're looking for in your parenting don't just live in each episode of my show. They're also in my free membership site, The Parent Toolbox, where you can access tools created by myself and my brilliant guests that cover everything from helping your kids to sleep, managing meltdowns, reducing overwhelm to getting your kids to listen the first time and so much more. Join The Parent Toolbox so you can download and use the tools that are ready on the site and Each week, a brand new tool is added. And of course, the best part is it's absolutely free to join and to stay in. You can go to www.parent-toolbox.com today. Now, before we get into this episode, I want to share with you another podcast that I think you're going to find really interesting. It's called Didn't I Just Feed You? It's a weekly candid conversation about feeding our families, even for parents who hate to cook. Hosts Stacey Billis and Megan Splawn are two food professionals who get real about feeding kids, tweens, and teens because they're also busy working moms, so they get it. They talk about how to turn things like nachos into a legit family dinner, to the magic of meatballs, to solving the after-school snack problem, even reducing kitchen waste and debt all at once. They chat with guests from Food Network stars to everyday moms who, let's be honest, are the real experts. In fact, Didn't I Just Feed You is a staple on the iTunes Top 100 Food Podcasts and the only food podcast made with parents in mind. Stacey and Megan are on a mission to make cooking easier, more delicious, and maybe even a little bit more fun. Find Didn't I Just Feed You wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts and be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a thing. Now, you can also find Stacey and Megan on Instagram and Facebook as at Didn't I Just Feed You. Now let's dive into this next episode of Parenting Our Future. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Parenting Our Future. It's Robin McMahon here, and I'm here with Dan Sheeks. And you are going to want to listen to every word he has to say. Let me just tell you, because Dan Sheeks is going to share with you how your kids can make money so that they have financial freedom. So let me tell you a little bit about him first. First, Dan is a high school business and marketing teacher. He's also a real estate investor and a personal finance advocate from Denver, Colorado. In his 18 years of teaching high school, he's taught a variety of business subjects, including personal finance, entrepreneurship, and marketing. Dan's passions include working with teenagers, advocating for personal finance education, investing in real estate, and promoting the FIRE movement, which we are going to talk about in a minute. Now, he has a book that came out on December the 6th, and it's called First to a Million, The Teen's Guide to Achieving Early Financial Freedom. All right, Dan, thank you so much for being here. Okay, lay it on us. What do we need to do to get our kids to make some more money, (laughs) to be financially free? It's a big deal. Yeah, I wish I could just give you a one or two sentence answer and then we would just wrap up the podcast and be done. It would be that I wish it was that easy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, So where, you know, first of all, where would you start? Because how do you even get kids motivated to care about this? Right. I can barely get my my teenage boys to be motivated to do much. Right. So how would we get them to even care? Because it's hard to project into the future when you're a teenager. Right. Yeah. 
Uh, great question, Rob. And, and by the way, thanks for having me on. I'm oh, delighted yeah. to be here. This is going to be a fun uh, conversation. Um, yeah, so I work with teenagers every day, all day, every day in my classroom. Uh, I've been doing that for almost 20 years. Um, wow. I have I have a kid, but he's not a teenager yet. So mm -hmm. to get to get young people to care about their financial future is is not easy. As any parent knows, you can't make your kids do anything, right? You can't make them want to clean their room. You can't make them want to go outside and play. Like they're, they're, they're kids. They, they have their own minds. Uh, but you can do things to incentivize them to want to learn about money. But it's, it's still that thing. You can lead a horse to the water, but that's where, that's where it's going to stop. So right. when people ask me, how do I make my teenager learn about, want to learn about money? I say you can't. But here's some things that you can do. Um, and as parents, you know, there's a lot that we can do, even if parents aren't super confident in their own money management skills or, or financial literacy. Uh, you know, a lot of times you can learn along with your kids and there's no shame in that. Um, right. You know, you can do things like pay your monthly bills with your with your kids. Uh, talk to them about your income and expenses. Talk to them about your investments, your 401k, your pension, your retirement accounts. Um, you can go over the household budget. I mean, every household is a small business in a, in a sense yeah, yeah. and open up the books to that business and include your kids in that, uh, include them in the decision-making process. Um, should we go to this vacation this summer or should we buy a new patio set? Like we have, we can do one or the other. What do you think we should do kids? Let's weigh the pros and cons because we only have enough money to do either one. Um, there's a lot you can do and we can get more into that, but really just talking about money would be a really good start. Most adults, most families don't talk about money and it's taboo, I guess. It really is. And I think gone are the days where it should be taboo. Like, let's talk about money. Let's talk about how much yes. we're making. Let's talk about how we use it. And let's talk about how much we have saved, if any, or if our saving or if our debt outweighs our savings, right? Like that's mm. really where we are. And so I know that one of the things that you do is to help help teens not make money mistakes that we as adults may may have made. Mm -hmm so that they don't end up with debt, right? They don't end yeah, up yeah. with a low credit score, for example. So what are some of the things you say around that? <laughs> I say that I took the easy way uh, because I work with young people who have not yet made mistakes, right? They, they haven't yet dug themselves into a student loan debt hole. They haven't yet built bad habits. They haven't yet done the lifestyle inflation thing where they're spending as much as they make. Um, they haven't yet dinged their credit score with late payments or overdrafts or anything. So working with teens is pretty easy because you're training them. It's a clean slate, right? Yeah. When you work with adults who have made all those mistakes and you're trying to change habits that are pretty ingrained. That's, I think, much more difficult. So yeah, it's just about um, educating them, having the conversations, uh, explaining to them how money works from the get-go. And I know that sounds all, you know, I'm, I'm making it sound really easy and it's not, we know it's not or else everyone would do it, but there are many, many tools um, for parents to use to help them have these conversations. I mean, there's websites, there's organizations, there's YouTube videos, there's, uh, you know, just, just Google parental help for 
teaching my kids about money, money or, or anything like oh. that. And you will find a lot of free resources that are very, very good. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but it's really like, like we were saying, it's just about starting that conversation. When you're sitting around the dinner table, talk about money. When you're driving to the grocery store, talk about money. When you're going for a nightly walk, talk about money. When you're driving somewhere on the weekend for a little vacation, talk about money. Not that that's all you should talk about, but it should be part of your you know, regular conversations with your kids. Mm, okay. So talking about money and then you're teaching them sort of best practices before they make mistakes, how money works, you know, how to not lower your credit score, all of that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, which I think most of us understand now through trial and error ourselves, yeah. right? I mean, nobody yeah. told me how to do it at all. And, uh, and yeah, I made mistakes because of it. And, mm-hmm. uh, and so how do you teach kids to care about the future of their money versus wanting to, let's say, keep up with the latest trends and the shoes and the clothes and the, you know, sort of instant gratification. How do you teach that? Cause we're in a very materialistic world right now. Yeah. Um, it's tough, but it's definitely uh, achievable to, to talk to kids and have them change, have them, you know, develop different habits than the norm. It's, it's really, a, yeah, our, our society, I think the United States and Canada, both um, mm-hmm. maybe just our Western society is, is all about spending as much money as you make and, and treating or yourself more. or yeah. more. Yeah. If you, if you make $50,000 a year, then Hey, you get to spend fifty thousand. If you make a hundred thousand, you get to spend it. If you make five hundred thousand a year, then you get to spend five hundred thousand. So it's about setting a mindset very early on that 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 works. I mean, if you want to work until you're sixty-five, if you want to, you know, kind of be doing the paycheck to paycheck thing, and you're okay with money being a stressor, then that is okay. But if you want things to be different, yeah. um, and possibly even achieve financial independence years, decades earlier than most people, then the mindset needs to shift. And Mm. uh, you need to spend a lot less than you're earning. And that money needs to be invested um, intelligently uh, so that you're building your net worth from the very get-go. I mean, and and teenagers, kids, they can start doing this before they graduate from high school, before they leave the house. They can start tracking and building their net worth Um, And it's kind of fun. And there's a lot of free apps out there that help anybody, kids included, track their net worth, track their income and expenses with lots of cool and and beautiful charts and graphs that are automatically calculated all for free. Um, My favorite is mint.com. I don't get Mm. paid, but I don't get anything from them for saying that. Uh, I was going to ask you anyway, so I'm glad you said it. I was going to say, give me some names. Yeah. I don't work with any affiliates, but yeah, yeah, another one is you need a budget, Y-N-A-B. Um, that's another free app you can get that does pretty much the same stuff. So, um, you know, if you're a parent, download the app, track your income and expenses, have your yeah. child don- download the app and they can track their income and expenses and, and learn the app together. They're really easy to use. So your, your, the, the premise of your book and also the work that you're doing is to help 
really guide people to be financially free, right? To not have debt, to be able to, and we don't want to necessarily say the R word, but retire early. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you and I were talking ahead of time and you said, you know, we really don't retire. We just kind of do different things. We volunteer, yeah. or we, you know, work at a golf course, or we just sort of putter and do, you know, handyman or woman jobs or whatever that is. Um, and also, so, so there's that, but also I just want to go back to one thing that you said is this nine to five idea of, of a job where, you know, we have this really linear experience where it's school, it's, you know, university, college, then it's the job that we trained in university college for, and then it's retirement, right? And those days are kind of gone because the workplace is really in a different place right now too. And I say this all the time, and I know it to be true because myself included is in this category that the jobs of tomorrow aren't even invented yet. We don't Mm -hmm. even know what they are yet. I have a job like that where I never, I never even you know, 15 years ago, never even heard about what a, you know, uh, a parent coach was or anything like that. Right. So or a um, podcast host, that's or pretty what, what, I, yeah. I remember asking my brother-in-law, what is a podcast years yeah. ago? Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, and anyway, so, so, so I think that we need to open our minds first. Right. And I, I'm sure you agree with that, that we've got to open mm-hmm. our minds to different paths and, um, and so I want you to talk about that a little bit, if you can. Yeah, well, I think you have to start with the basics, right? Um, the basics of personal finance uh, for any, any human being. But, but, you know, my focus is on the 15 to 25-year-old range. And the parents that listen to your podcast, they're listening because they want to do what's best for their kids. So you got to teach your kids the basics. And there are so, like I said before, there are so many great free resources out there websites, podcasts, um, YouTube videos, social media channels, uh, books that are great for young people that teach personal finance. Um, so many good ones out there. Uh, and, and if you're a parent, again, that's not comfortable or confident with those, then learn with your child. Mm-hmm. Um, make it fun and I've had lots of other guests on that have talked about personal finance. So <laughs> I'll put some links into some past shows that talk yeah. about that just for, for, you know, for your convenience for everybody listening. So sorry to mm-hmm. interrupt you. No, that's fine. Um, I'm glad you've had them on. Uh, and so where, where my book comes in, it's, it's kind of the next level and it still applies to young people, but it's about, you know, now that you have the basics, you know how to manage your credit card, you know how to build your credit score you know, the difference between um, income and net worth and so mm-hmm. on. You, you know, the basics. There's then this idea and, and there's a movement out there that's been growing and gaining steam for a couple of decades now called the FIRE movement, F-I-R-E. Okay. Uh, and it stands for financial independence, retire early. Um, I'm not a big fan of the retire word <laughs> because it, 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 it gets that image in your head of someone just sitting around doing nothing like on the beach, drinking a margarita. And, and so I mean, that die. sounds great though. <laughs> it's not a bad option, <laughs> but most people get bored, especially those people who are motivated enough to achieve early financial independence. Right. They are not the type of people who are then going to say, I'm done. I'm never going to earn another dime in my life. <laughs> I'm just going to soak up my retirement and enjoy the good life. They might do that for a while. I don't know, a few months or even a year, but then they're going to say, I, I feel like I need to create and contribute again. Yeah. And that can look a lot of different ways. That can be 
going back to work, honestly, or that could be, but now you're doing it on your own terms and you're Mm -hmm. not working because you need to, you're working because you want to, Mm -hmm. you can pick a job, you can pick your hours, you can pick your employee, um, or maybe they start their own business or their, their own passion project or side hustle, or maybe they volunteer, or maybe they hang out with their grandkids or their kids. Uh, um, that's my plan. I'm going to, I'm, I have a young kid and when I reach financial independence, which will be very soon, I'm spending 24 seven with my kid until he's completely sick of me and tells me that I need to go away forever. But, uh, well, you got to make sure it's just before he's a teenager, then, then you're good. So you get some good quality time with him before yes. he's a teenager. Cause he won't want anything to do with you. That's true. Yeah. No, just it'll saying. be before he's a teenager. Yeah, um, just, just saying from personal experience and also from every other, uh, yeah. uh, any other parent that has teenagers and it is the way of the world and it's okay, but you'll find mm-hmm. other things to do with your time. I'm sure. At that point you have to make an appointment with them, right. Or yes. get on their schedule. Yes. Uh, it has to be approved to spend time with them. But, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So the, that, that typical, and I always say this typical American dream pathway, which I think isn't just tied to America, but that typical pathway of, like you said, mm. Robin, of going to high school, getting good grades, going to college or university, getting good grades, getting a good job, getting married, having 2.3 kids, the house with the white picket fence, the dog, you work until you're 65, which by the way, when our kids are that age, 65 will no longer be the, the average. It'll be more like 70 because people keep living longer. Well, and our kids right now will live into their hundreds. Yeah. So that's something It'll we be, need to keep in mind too, especially about the amount of money they're savings, they're saving, right? Yeah. And so it'll last longer. We're talking about, you know, 45 years of a career from the time they graduate university mm-hmm. until they hit that age. That's a long time. People are doing it. It is a tried and true method. There's nothing wrong with it. It's a noble yeah. way to live, but there are other options. There are different ways to manage money, different financial strategies. None of them are super complicated. That is a fact. They're simple, but they're not always easy. Like, like frugality is an example where you're not spending money on anything and everything just because you can, you're only spending money on things you value. So if you don't mm-hmm. value going out to nice restaurants or mm-hmm. even don't value eating out, then, then don't eat out. I mean, you can sometimes, but try to save some money that way. Or if you yeah. don't value really, really nice clothes, then you know, don't waste money on really nice clothes just because you have it in your checking account. Mm-hmm. So it's not always easy. It is simple um, to, to employ these different strategies so that you can reach financial independence um, sometimes decades before that 65 ish typical retirement age. And then you have your freedom of time back where you get to do what you want to do when you want to do it with who you want to do it. Um, and that's a powerful motivator for a lot of, I mean, even for kids. Yeah. Well, it's like, let me trade off the specialty coffee that I'm having every single morning for one that I brew at home and how much I can save there. Right. So, so you're saying it's short-term pain (laughs) for Mm -hmm. long-term gain. So what else can we do? I mean, I think frugality is the first thing that comes to mind. Right. And, uh, but what, you know, that's how we can save money. How, how else can we save money or what do we do with the money that we have then? Because I think investing is scary. Sometimes it feels like gambling, right? Yeah. So what I'm glad you brought up the coffee, Robin, because that's that's what a lot of people kind of go like, I don't need a Starbucks every day. Well, when you get down to it, if you value 
that coffee every day. My wife loves coffee. She drinks Starbucks all the time. I, I'm not a coffee guy, but there's nothing wrong with spending money on a good coffee every morning right. if you value it. But if you don't, or you're just like, I just need a coffee, well, then start making it at home. Mm-hmm. Um, the biggest expenses for, uh, for Americans and probably Canadians, other than taxes, let's take that out. You can't, there's not a lot you can do about that. There is, but that's not part of the fire strategy is our biggest expenses is housing without a doubt by quite mm-hmm. a bit. And then next is transportation and next is food. And so okay. we really should be focusing on those, those big three expenses. When you add them up, I think housing is usually about 33, 33% of the average person's income. Food and transportation are each about 18%. If you're focusing on those things, then the little tiny things like a coffee every day, they, they just don't really matter. I mean, they do a little bit, but um, so housing is the biggest one. So what can you do about your housing to start saving a lot of money over a period of 10 years that can add up to a significant amount of money? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm on the edge of my seat. Tell me. Well, <laughs> I will tell you, I will tell you the best strategy for young people again, because I, I it's hard to tell adults who have already made bad choices yeah. that you need to sell your, your big, beautiful house and move into a smaller house, even though that might be what they should do if they want early financial independence, it's very difficult for them to do that. And I get mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. for young people, they haven't yet done that. So here's the best strategy for young people when it comes to housing and, and actually it, it introduces them into real estate investing is this strategy called house hacking. Um, there's Ooh. some great books out there. My favorite book is, uh, called the house hacking strategy. And it's written by uh, a guy named Craig Curlop. Excellent book. No, I don't get any kickbacks from that either. Um, <laughs> we trust house- you already, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> the, the house hacking strategy is, is simply this. So some, it doesn't have to be young person. Someone buys a real estate property. It could be a house, could be like duplex, triplex, even a mm-hmm. fourplex. And they live in it, right? So it is their primary residence. But then they rent out the other bedrooms or floors or units, depending on what kind of property it is. And if you analyze the properties ahead of time so that you set it up properly, the rent that you basically become a Mm -hmm. landlord, which some people are like, I would never want to be a landlord. Well, you have to weigh the pros and cons. Mm -hmm. Would you be a landlord if you could buy back 20 years of your life? and retire 20 years before you are currently on track to do. Now that might change someone's mind. It may not, but literally that's the power of this strategy. It could be more than 20 years, by the way. So you become a landlord, you're renting out the other units, floors, or rooms to other people. And the rent that they pay you covers the expenses of owning that property to the point where you're either living there for free Mm -hmm. or you're living there for very little money. Mm -hmm. And if you're allowed, if you're, Largest expense, let's say for a 25-year-old, if they're paying American dollars, $1,200 a month to rent a one-bedroom apartment, which is pretty typical, if you can erase that expense by having a house hack and living there for free, now you have to do some work. You have to manage it. If something goes wrong, you have to call somebody to fix it. Yeah. You have to screen your tenants so you you have good roommates or good mm-hmm. uh, people renting your property, but $1,200 a month times 12 months a year, that's, that's significant. That is life-changing over the wow. course of three or four years. 
And it's not that you have to do that forever. Maybe you do it from the time you're 22 until you're 26. And then, you know, that can change things for decades. That can, that can get someone to financial independence decades before a typical path. So because I really don't know the answer to this. So let me ask you, uh, how would you qualify for a loan at 2021? I work with young people who are doing it at age 19 and 20, by the way. They're house hacking Stop. at 19 and 20. A guy I work with here in Colorado, his name's Taylor. I'll give him a shout out. He's 19. He bought his first house hack, $500,000 house, five bedrooms, and it's working amazing. Wow. Um, you, have, you, have to, you have to plan. You can't just walk up one day to a bank and say, I want to borrow exactly. money to buy a house. So that's why I wrote my book, right? It sets them on the track. Early on, you know, if a teenager is reading at 14, 15, 16, 17, they can then buy this property maybe three years down the road. So mm -hmm. you have to save some money. Yeah. Um, but if it's a primary residence, and I, I'm not an expert on Canadian mortgages mm -hmm. and stuff, but in, in the United States, if it's a primary residence, you can buy a property for as little as three and a half percent down. Mm. If you're buying a $200,000, $300,000 house, that's not a significant amount of money. That you, a teenager could save that over three or four or five years right? and even have a little extra to say, paint the walls or put some new flooring in. And you always want to have a, you know, a little bit of a cushion yeah. in a savings account should something go wrong, like maybe the furnace goes out. Um, but it's absolutely doable. Mm -hmm. And then if they're building their credit score from the, from the day they turn 18, I tell the young people I work with, when you turn 18, you get your first credit card. You literally roll out of bed, go to the computer, apply for your first credit card. When you mm. turn 19, you apply for your second one. And when you turn 19 and a half, you apply for your third one. And those aren't set in stone. Now, that is assuming that our child is responsible and mature enough to handle a credit card. And if we've done our job as parents when they're 14, 15, 16, 17, that will be true. They understand. Um, how, how to, you know, pay off the credit card every month, pay it on time. You got to be responsible. Yeah. So it's not just using, a, a license to buy a bunch of stuff and rack it up to the yeah. limit. Like, Oh, I got an extra $2,000 now I can spend. Right. No. Yeah. <laughs> it's not, it's not free money. Yeah. It is. It is a loan. It is the opposite of free money. <laughs> yeah. It's the opposite. Yes. So if they can start building up their credit score pretty early. And then the last piece, which is the tricky one is, is a work history. Most 18, 19 year olds don't have a work history unless they started working straight out of high school, which um, the young person I mentioned, that was the case for him. He didn't go to college. He's been working for a couple of years. He has a couple of years of work history. The, the workaround to that is as a parent, and this is where parents are important, um, you can co-sign for a mortgage for right. your child and the bank will then take into account your income history and your credit score, honestly, too. Mm -hmm. And so if you're interested and able to help your young person buy that first property, they've done their research, they've read the books, they've listened to the podcast, they mm -hmm. understand, and you're confident they can handle it, not every young person can, then yeah, they can buy that first house act property at 18, 19, 18 would be pretty early. 19, 20, 21, 25, you know, I mean, it can it can change their life. Um, a friend of mine started house hacking at age 23. He did it one a year because you have to live in that property for one year. He did one a year for four years. Each of those that when he moved on, it became a rental property and he continued to rent them by the room. After four years, 
he was able to quit his job and say, I don't have to work. He was living pretty frugally and he wasn't married and he didn't have kids, but he was able to say, now I get to work on my own terms. And he was 27. Jeez, that's That's because housing is is that big piece of the pie for our expenses. That if you can eliminate it and turn it into a passive Mm -hmm. income stream, and you're already living pretty frugally anyway, your housing expenses are taken care of in the house hack itself. So now your big ones are transportation and food. And if you can cut those down a little bit, your living expenses are really low. I think he mm-hmm. was living on like $25,000 a year. So if your passive income is covering that, you now can quit your job. Not that you are retired forever, but you, and that he went out and started his own business and now he's crushing it over there. Wow. Good for him. That's awesome. You know what I like about this too, just sort of in the conversations I've been having with, you know, friends and family and that sort of thing, you know, I I look at the area that I live in, right. And prices have skyrocketed for, for homes, for the house that I live in. And that's wonderful for us, for our investment. But then I look forward to my kids how are they going to be able to afford a home? So what I, what I like you saying is, you know, and, and so the, sorry, the point that I'm trying to make, let me just be clear. The point I'm trying to make is that we are as adults, as the parents talking about, you know, how am I going to help my kid out? You know, how am I going to maybe turn my home into, uh, you know, selling it and then having multiple properties so my kids can have a place to live. What I like about what you're saying is it's really putting it on our kids. And, mm-hmm. and I think they're going to appreciate it more. They're going to learn more, that's for sure. And they're going to take care of it more. So I really like this way of thinking. Uh, I think it's really empowering, really empowering. Yeah, I guess it's the, it's the teach a man to fish philosophy. Yeah, you know, yeah. teach them to being a landlord. It's not hard. Um, is it for tricky. everyone? No. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there are some great books out there that will train you. And the great thing about house hacking is you live there, right? So there's no driving out to the property. You're there 24 seven, you know, if something goes wrong, right, you right. know, no one's going to have a big crazy party. Cause you're there. Um, right. And if you do, you're probably that. invited. <laughs> Cause or you're, early, you're at early twenties, right? Unless you want to throw the party and then you got, you got to clean up the mess. Um, right. And so, yeah, I mean, I think it, it's just, the whole fire movement is about thinking differently about mm. things and, and the idea of house hacking to eliminate the largest expense so that you can kind of fast track your way to financial independence. Um, There's just one example. Now, is everyone going to reach financial independence at 27? No. And I don't even think they should, honestly. No, I I agree. Um, But in your 40s, in your 50s, in your 30s, these are definite options, definite. um, They're provable methods. They're repeatable. Um, Mm -hmm. Many hundreds and hundreds of people have done it. It does take at times some sacrifice. It does take at times mm. some tough choices. It, it doesn't mean you're sacrificing your happiness. If you if that is happening, then you are mm. doing it wrong because the whole idea of reaching financial independence early is so that you can have more time to spend on the things that make you happy. Mm. And if in the process of getting there, you're sacrificing your happiness, then then that's not the point. You're, you're right. doing it wrong. Right. Some people I think have tried to They've put the, the, they've floored the, the gas pedal all the way down and right. are trying too hard to get there too quick. That's not, that's not always healthy. 
Right. Right. And I think you made that clear at the beginning, you know, that like, look, if coffee is important to you and that's a value, then go for it. Mm -hmm. My husband and I, we love going out for dinner. That is what we like to do. Just the two of us. Usually, I mean, the boys are always welcome to come, but they don't want to, Uh, but it's our time and we love it. Right. So that that's definitely part of our budget. So, so I, I, I'm with you. I'm with you hundred percent. And we make our own coffee every morning. Right. I, I don't go to get a fancy because I don't want to. Uh, And it is, not a value. Now, I'm curious, do you teach this to your high school students? I do. So yeah. in my, so I teach personal finance as a class. Okay. I have, like I said, I have to get through the basics. You have to train them and educate yeah. them on, on the basics of personal finance. And then if we, if we have enough time left over, um, yes, I bring in guest speakers who are mm. much younger than me, who have, who have, who are living proof that that pathway can work that have reached mm-hmm. financial independence early in life. And we talk about the concepts and there's, there's plenty of YouTube videos and channels and, and social media accounts out there that are following this kind of uh, early financial independence pathway. Um, a lot of great influencers that are young, you know, mm-hmm. in their twenties that um, pr- produce great content that kids, teenagers will, will kind of relate to because they're, you know, I don't put my face on my content that I create because I'm too old. Like I'm, I'm the dad talking to them. <laughs> they don't want to see me talking. So I, I have alumni of mine who um, are on this path, who are happy to create content for me. Mm-hmm. And that's more relatable to, to my audience again, which is like 15 to 25 years old. Huh. You know, so another thing that just kind of came to my mind too, as you were talking, and, and there's a reason I asked you that question, because I want to talk about why we don't talk about this in schools, why we aren't teaching mm. really the basics of this. But you, what came to my mind, you know, I always think about my own kids, right? And their future, of course, right? And a lot of the work that I do is around the struggles that I've had in my own parenting and that sort of thing. And I think of my one son who has ADHD and, you know, learning disabilities and stuff like that. And he worries about what the future is going to look like for him, right? Mm-hmm. You know, and and I think, wow, how exciting is this, that this doesn't require, you know, you to be the top of the class and something in order to get the job that pays the highest. This is for anybody who is willing and motivated and, you know, can study it as well. Mm-hmm. It's for anybody, really. I, I actually, in my book, I write about the fact that the typical A student, straight A student is probably less likely right. to follow this early financial independence pathway because it's it's not normal. It's, it's more of a rule breaking mentality. So maybe a straight C student, someone who, (laughs) who doesn't like to follow the rules, doesn't turn their assignments in on time all the time. uh, Maybe doesn't go to every single class that they should. That type of mentality actually works pretty well Mm -hmm. for someone who's going to do things very differently than everybody around them, because Mm -hmm. most people are going to go the typical path. That's all they know and they're sold on it and it's safe, but to go off that beaten path and to do things differently, you know, for instance, to not spend all of your income on the fancy car, the fancy house, the fancy Mm -hmm. clothes, that takes someone who's willing to be different. Mm -hmm. And the straight A student isn't always that person. Can Mm -hmm. they? Yeah, they absolutely can. But it's, Mm -hmm. I'd say the, uh, like your son, someone who maybe has a little something that makes them a little bit different and they're used to that they're more comfortable going down a different path. 
Hmm. Yeah, I think that's really cool. And I think that's exciting for everybody listening too. like, just think of what your kid's life would be like and think of how happy you would be to know that your kids are financially secure and thriving. I mean, I think it takes a lot of the weight off of them and us. And I think it's just a a really incredible, incredible way to do this. So why are we not talking about this as much in schools? The the early financial independence stuff? Yeah, it seems like there are so many things that we really need to learn to thrive in life. Mm-hmm. strong emotional intelligence, right? Being able to relate to other people, having good communication skills are at the top of my list. And then, you know, understanding finances, understanding how money works. New mm-hmm. money is my ignorant way of saying it with, um, you know, Bitcoin and all of the, this other yeah. type of currency and different things <laughs> like that. Like we need to know this stuff and understand this stuff. Why isn't it being taught or is it? And I just don't know. Um, it's not. And, mm-hmm. and I, that comes from someone who's been in public education for 19 years. Uh, I can sum it up for you in two words. Mm-hmm. You're not going to like it. The reasons why, and, and I, I agree with what you said, the soft skills, communication skills, yeah. um, listening skills, pre- presentation skills, as, long, as well mm-hmm. as personal finance and financial. The reason those aren't focused, they're not a focus in education is because one, money, and two, politics. Unfortunately, that's what it boils down to. To expand on that a little bit, <laughs> okay. it's not too different than a lot of other things in life, but schools are, based, schools are judged based on test scores. Yeah. That's just yeah. the way it is. Um, the decision makers that run the show, this, these are your politicians, school board members, principals, district administrators, they are judged and their, their job is judged based on test scores mm-hmm. and standardized tests do not include anything mm-hmm. that we were just talking about. They include math, science, reading, writing, mm-hmm. and maybe a little bit of social studies. And so those subjects are, are very much focused on. Those are the requirements for high school graduation. Those are the, the things that get the extra special attention and the extra money. The, the skills that they students also need, I'm not saying those aren't important, that aren't on the standardized test scores that the students are taking for college admissions or state standardized tests, um, they kind of just fall to the way, fall to the mm-hmm. wayside and, and they're kind of second tier, unfortunately. So, mm-hmm. so the pressure is on teachers to make sure their kids, the kids that they're teaching are doing really well in those subjects. And then like, yeah, that's, that's nice if we can teach the other stuff. Yeah. And, and so I teach it. It's an elect. I, my classes are electives. And so I see a very small percentage of all my students. Um, if things were going to change, I don't want to make this all negative. If, if things were going to change the way it happens, the only way it's ever going to happen is for parents and community members to demand it. Mm, okay. So if you're a parent out there listening and you, and you are fired up about this and you want to make a difference, call email or write the policymakers, the legislators, the superintendents, mm-hmm. the district administrators, and the school board members, or the principals, any or all of those people, that's how change will happen because mm-hmm. they answer to the community members. They answer to the parents. And if that's enough right. parents say, I demand, for example, and this is something I feel strongly about, I demand that our school requires a personal finance course for high school graduation. If enough parents express that concern, then it can happen. 
How cool would I do it as a teacher? I get shut down. Um, Right. It's just the way it is. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I love teachers. I just, I so respect teachers and I feel like, you know, they're just as stuck as us as parents, you know, Mm -hmm. Uh, the fact of the matter is, is that we need to teach our kids how to thrive in this really complicated world. And they are going to live to be in their hundreds. We know this. And so they need to know these skills to have a great life, to have a happy life, to thrive in their life. What, you know, so that they have the skills when (laughs) adversity comes their way, which it will, because, it does for us all. And, you know, you don't let the bottom fall out. You know, we've got to, we've got to teach these skills. Now I always feel lucky to, to sort of go on a side note, you know, that my kids have both struggled with some stuff, some, you know, just some anxiety, some, you know, mental illness stuff, and they're getting the tools they need now, you know, which is kind of great because when, you know, they're married and have a mortgage and have kids and all that stuff later on down the line, they'll have the skills that they need in, when there isn't as much at stake. Right. So I just, and same with finances, right. I mean, you could, you know, un, unbeknownst to you make some bad mistakes and, uh, and have the, the bottom fall out. And you've got a lot more people in your care that are affected by that than if you, if you yeah. were younger. So I think this is just so incredibly valuable. And your book again is called first to a million teens guide to achieving early financial freedom. I am going to make my kids read this book because it is incredibly helpful and useful. Dan, I want to thank you so much for sharing this with my listeners. We have uh, an article from you that's going to be in our parent toolbox. It's an article for parents to how to guide your kids, which I really appreciate. And I, I want to just throw it back to you really quickly and just, you know, is there anything that you want to add just any final thoughts for our listeners as we close off today? No, I think, I think we covered a lot of the, the important points. Um, I do think, so if, if a parent out there wanted to buy my book, um, there's a workbook that goes with it as well. Um, I encourage the parents to read the book first. Uh, you'll, you'll learn some stuff. I guarantee it. Um, (laughs) I know I will. (laughs) I, I, I have written it for the teenager. And one of the things that teachers are good at is we, we're good at being articulate, right? We can explain things so that they're in simple terms. And I, think, I hope I did a good job of that. Um, read the book first and then, you know, give it to your teenager or younger, uh, 10, 11, 12 is fine. Mm-hmm. Um, and then give it to them to read and then talk about these things together. Talk about these ideas, strategies, concepts, topics, terms together to get them interested in, you know, and the chapters are very short on purpose because teenagers have a very short attention span. So some of them might only be three or four pages long. Okay. You know, you could, you could discuss a chapter over dinner and it, it could really lead into some really good conversations. So um, I know Robin, we talked about the, the link to buy the book will be in your show notes, uh, yep. biggerpockets.com slash teen. They can go there and buy the book and the workbook. If they buy them together, they get a discount on both. Fantastic. Um, I'll also put uh, or send you Robin for the show notes. Um, I have an online community for young people oh, that yes, are please. really interested in this stuff. Uh, it, there's an app that they can download and then they can talk to and communicate and surround themselves with other young people just like them. Um, so great. And so I'll that? send you the website where, where they can sign up for that. And actually there's a free version and a paid version. The free version has plenty of value. If the young person decides they want to do the paid version, 
um, which is only like a hundred bucks a year. Mm -hmm. uh, let's do a discount code um, future. Okay. Future. If they, if they go to checkout for that paid version, they type in the discount code future, all lowercase, they'll get a nice discount on that annual membership. Um, but I encourage them to go to the free membership at the very least. Yeah. It's that whole idea of you are the sum of the five people that you spend the most time with. Mm. Um, it's the famous Jim Rohn quote, the people mm -hmm. you spend the more time with the most time with that's usually in indicative of how you, how you speak, how you act in your same goals. So if they can surround mm. themselves, the young people with other young people who are interested in their financial future, then that just takes it to a whole nother level. And that's what's happening in the, in the community. And it's really fun to watch for me. Um, so yeah, we'll give a, a discount to all your listeners who want to have their, have their teenagers join that group. Well, that's, that's fantastic. Okay. Discount code future. It will be in the show notes. Everything about you for the most part will be in the show notes, including where yep. to get your book. And uh, I just am better for having talked to you. And I hope everybody listening feels the same way. We are better for knowing you, for talking to you. And thank you so much for sharing all of your information. This has been fantastic. Thanks for having me, Robin. Appreciate it. And um, hope to talk to you again soon. Thank you for listening to this edition of my podcast, Parenting Our Future. I'm parent coach Robin McMahon. And if you're enjoying this podcast, please share it with someone who you think might also need to hear this message. And don't forget to subscribe. And if you like my work, I'd be grateful if you gave me a five-star rating. For those of you who like my content and want more, visit me at yellingcurebook.com to get your copy of my book and to find other resources to help you. Until next time, I am wishing you and your family peace and connection.